Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Men and women spend their lives seeking those things that are, they consider to be precious. And obviously I know people that work all of their lives and they're looking for this, the diamonds and the rubies and the sapphires and the emeralds, which we call precious. And at the end of the week, obviously many of you, if not all possibly, receive a paycheck and uh, you say, boy, that's precious to me. We got paid one more time. But it seems that those who obtain these substances always want more. John D. Rockefeller was once, at one point, the world's richest man and first ever American billionaire. And one day a reporter asked him, how much money is enough? And he responded, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. That's the way it is, isn't it? We want more and more and more. And no matter how much money we have, material goods that we have, it seems that we are never satisfied. And I don't want to talk to you about a substance that will satisfy your greatest need. And I'm referring to the precious blood of Jesus. Precious is defined as an object, substance, or resource of great value, not to be wasted or treated carelessly. And why is Jesus' blood so precious? Because it can do certainly what nothing else can do. The precious blood from the sinless Savior is the only means of salvation for lost man. A lot of people say today, well, you know, you're getting a little bit grotesque here. You're talking about blood. You're talking about, well, there's life in the blood. If I take and cut my wrist now and, and my blood completely bleeds out of my body, we know I die. We know, obviously, there is life in the blood of Jesus Christ. And without the shedding of blood, it says here later in this chapter is that there's no remission of sin. There has to be the shedding of blood, and it's the precious blood of the Lamb. And there's one subject I believe that Satan doesn't want us to talk about, and that is the blood of Jesus. And he would like nothing more than to turn our minds away from this truth. And Satan doesn't mind thinking that you can be saved by your church or good deeds or moral character or baptism or church memberships, and he'll tell you, that you can be saved by doing your best. Just do a little bit better. But the Bible makes it clear that the only way to God is through the blood. And the good news is you don't have to seek or to obtain this precious possession because it's a free gift that is available to you and to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. And so let's look at it. We'll look at a few verses here. And starting in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9. Chapter 11, or verse 11, of Hebrews chapter 9, towards the end of the Bible. When Jesus came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, 
so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And then if you look down at verse 22, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, none, not none at all. And I'm going to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll read verse 17 and following. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is precious, certainly here. Judas called it innocent blood in Matthew 27. Peter called it precious blood there in 1 Peter chapter 1. John called it cleansing blood in 1, chapter, 1 John chapter 1. He referred to it as washing blood in Revelation chapter 1 and overcoming blood in Revelation chapter 12. Paul calls the blood of Jesus purchasing blood in Acts chapter 20, redeeming blood in Colossians chapter 1, justifying blood in Romans chapter 5, and peacemaking blood in Colossians chapter 1. It's called sanctifying blood in Hebrews 13. And Jesus said that his blood is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's a cup of the new covenant in my blood. We know when we celebrate the Lord's Supper there. He said, always do this in remembrance of me. And someone has said that the blood of Christ is forever innocent, infinitely precious, perfectly justifying, always cleansing and fully sanctifying. We're forgiven past, present, and future. The cleansing blood of Christ cleanses us continually that we may be able to go into the Holy of Holies and have an intimate relationship with our Father because of what Jesus Christ did there at Calvary. When he said it's finished, remember, the veil in the temple rent in two, signifying that we can go right in with confidence, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. The blood is our only hope of salvation. If someone loses all the blood from their body, they die. If you take the blood out of the gospel, there is no life. Therefore, the blood is essential for salvation. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But our selected text here makes it clear that it's not just any blood that will do. Only the precious blood of Jesus is sufficient. And so I want to look at this today. And the first point is, is that the blood of Jesus redeems lost souls. In verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered the once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for each one of us, for all who will ask and all will seek, who will ask that Christ would come into their hearts and be their personal Lord and Savior. The sacrifices in the Old Testament did not have the power to save men from their sins. The blood came from goats and calves and other animals, and this was not sufficient to redeem lost mankind. But before the foundation of the world, God had a plan to redeem mankind. 
God knew that he would need a perfect sacrifice. So he provided a lamb in the person of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And when the time came and Jesus ascended Calvary's hill, he shed his blood for us. His blood was innocent, pure, and certainly sinless blood. And there were certain demands that must be met concerning the sacrifice to God for the sins of the world. And Jesus met every one of those demands in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, He shall see of the travail of his soul and be, shall be satisfied, but his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Even more special there, the fact that everything Jesus did, he did willingly. In John chapter 15, I like this. This is a friend's church, an evangelical, I must say. Friend's church. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus calls us friends. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful to know? We are called the friends, the Quakers, the old Quakers that started. George Fox had a leaning and had a drawing of the Holy Spirit of God in his life. And he knew it was in a relationship with Christ way back. Many, many hundreds of years ago. And here we sit today and we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Jesus was 100% God. He was definitely man, but he was deity. He took on the robe of flesh voluntarily, left his glories in heaven, bore our shame, carried our cross, entered our suffering, and endured our suffering and died for us. And Romans chapter 5 says that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were still sinners. We were still deep in our sin. We were nasty. We were obviously depraved of everything. But Jesus came in spite of all that and he died for our sins. And he laid his life down voluntarily. The Bible says that Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay my life down voluntarily. He went to the cross to save mankind from their sins. And we know there in 1 Corinthians it talks about these types of things are foolishness to those who don't believe. But those who do believe, they're working eternal life in our lives. They're working something deep. And I'm so thankful today for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Are you? Amen. The shed blood of the Lamb. It sounds grotesque to the world. And they, they do not at all understand this. A family was involved in a serious accident. And Mike, the younger two brothers of two brothers involved, was badly injured and needed a blood transfusion. Mike's big brother, Danny, was almost eight, was the perfect blood type. And his father sat down with him and explained that his little brother was going to die. But if Danny would give his little brother some blood, that Mike would be just fine. And Danny sat and thought for a minute, and then he said, Okay, Dad, I will do this for my brother. And they took Danny into the operating room and hooked him up to the needle to his arm, and the blood from his body began to flow to his little brother. Everything had gone wonderfully, and the nurse removed the needle from little Danny's arm. And Danny, with a tear in his eye, looked at his father and said, When do I die? <laughs> the father suddenly realized with a shock that Danny had misunderstood his explanation of giving blood. And Danny thought he was giving all of his blood to save the life of his little brother. He thought that he would die after the transfusion was over. Yet he still had agreed to help his little brother. That's what Jesus did. He died. He went to Calvary. And here in just a few weeks, we certainly celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate every day, don't we? But we can celebrate. We think about that. Jesus went willingly because Jesus knew the cost. He knew the sacrifice and he came anyway. 
He came for you. He came for me and all who will call upon his name, all who will believe in him, all will have faith in him and him alone. And when he came, he shed his precious blood to redeem lost souls. We see here also the blood of Jesus secures eternal life. I love that word secure because secure means that it's an absolute that we are secure in Jesus Christ. We are secured. We're headed to heaven. You see, the law was a taskmaster. Mankind was in bondage to the law. There was no way that we could be free from its curse, except for Jesus and his precious blood. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. The precious blood of Jesus freed us from the curse of sin and death and the law. Because if we're not saved by the blood, we're still under the law and we are condemned because of the law. Because the law cannot save you. The law just pointed us to Jesus and told us where we were sinners. They pointed a way to us to get out of this bondage and the curse today. We know that the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He took our sin. He became sin and bore it on Calvary, on the cross here. In the Old Testament, the people constantly sacrificed animals. And once a year, the priests entered the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. But there on the cross, Jesus cried, it is finished and he with that, when he did that, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, and it signified that man could have access to the Father, and it's possible because of the blood of Jesus. We can rest in the fact that Jesus' blood is not only powerful enough to save us, but it's enough to save us to the uttermost. It goes beyond that there is security in the blood of the Lamb. I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am. Washed in the blood of the precious Lamb. Through the Father and through the Son and through the Holy Ghost, I'm saved to the uttermost. How can we be confident that we're saved to the uttermost? The answer there in verse 12, by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption, eternal redemption for us. And the phrase having obtained refers to a one time for all action here. And this verse makes it clear that our redemption is eternal. To be saved means to be rescued from all harm and danger. If we are still in danger, then we are not saved. Isn't that wonderful? It points to the security of the believer. We're either saved or we're not saved. We're either saved to the uttermost or we aren't saved. You say, but you don't know what I did. Boy, I messed up bad here. Will God forgive me? Yes, he'll forgive you and he'll forgive me. But sometimes we feel like, and the old enemy comes along and said, look at you. Look at you. Look what you did. Look how you did. Look what you spoke and how you spoke it. Look at that. Even a thought life, I want to tell you today, has to be cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. My prayer every morning is, Lord, cover us in the blood of Jesus. I pray this, and I'll share with you. When I begin, I get up and I begin asking the Lord, Lord, cover myself, Cindy, Allison, Jeremy, and Rex in the blood of the Lamb. And Father, I pray that you would cover our families there throughout the country and Virginia and so forth, I pray that you will cover Lighthouse Fellowship in the blood of the Lamb. 
I pray that you would cover our workplaces in the blood of the Lamb. I ask the Lord to cover us today. And we need to pray that. We're covered in the blood. But let me tell you, a lot of, again, what happens in the kingdom of God is because we ask Him. As we go and we ask and it shall be given. We seek and you shall find. We knock and it shall be opened. We keep on. And I pray that. Lord, cover us in the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus protects us, secures us, saves us, provides for us. It's all we need today, church. And let me tell you today, I'm so glad I have a Savior who didn't hesitate about going to Calvary, who went straight forward like a flint. He set his his face towards Jerusalem saying, I'm going to do this. We need to have the same attitude. I'm determined to do the will of God. Because today, there are a lot of people, and I mentioned last week, the week, the wheat and the tares, those who a lot of times call themselves Christians and they're not saved, they're not born again. We have a lot of people that say that. You're hearing that today. There's a lot of talk about politicians, one saved, or are they really Christian, or this and that and so forth. Are they born again? Are they following Jesus? The one purpose for living is to serve Him and to worship Him today because the two commandments are as we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we're not putting God first and obeying that first commandment, let me tell you today, you're more than likely not obeying the rest of them. Now, they don't save you, but that's what Jesus said the commandments are. It's the grace of God and the mercy of God that saves us. But let me tell you, that should be foremost in your heart. And they won't be lying if that's the case. Because they would come and they would have a certain amount of reverential fear of God. I want to ask you this today. My prayer is, Lord, I ask that you would impart to my heart by the Holy Spirit of God a fear of God. I want you to pray that. I want you to begin praying that. Ask the Lord to impart that. We have lost the fear of God in this country today. And I'm talking about the awe and the reverence of God Almighty, a holy God today. We take him for granted. People say, yeah, I just talked to the man upstairs. Don't say that. He's God. Reverence him. Have respect for him. Have honor for him. Worship him in his holiness today. And it can only be done because of the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Can only way it can happen. The third thing is the blood of Jesus cleanses the deepest sins. In verse 13, it says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from deed works to serve the living God? I remember when I first started pastoring, I had a lady in my church. And uh, her and her husband, they were partiers. Came into church, started really beginning drawing close to the Lord, and God got a hold of her, and she got saved. And she would come, and we met in an elementary school over on the northwest side of town, and every Friday, we would go in and set up the chairs in the auditorium, and she would be there. She was a mail carrier, so she was able to do that. And I remember one day she told me that this has happened to her, what I just read. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? She had been cleansed and her conscience had been cleansed. 
She knew that she had been forgiven because of Jesus Christ. She knew that experientially down deep in her heart. She knew that she knew that she knew. And I'll never forget when she was the one that pointed that scripture out to me. I knew that scripture, but she knew what had happened to her because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Purge actually means to cleanse and to free from filth. In Old Testament, sacrifices could never completely cleanse people's sins. The precious blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse our sins completely. When we are washed in the blood, we're justified. And justification is, again, real simply, just as if we haven't sinned, but is an act of justice before God Almighty. Obviously, He cleanses us as we believe in Jesus. And through justification, we're declared righteous in God's eyes. Justification puts us on right relationship with Christ. And this process could not happen through the law. It comes through Christ alone. The precious blood of Jesus has the power to take the blackest heart and wash it whiter than snow. And this means that salvation is possible for all from the, the most worst sinner from what we could see a way we judge it anyway, that those that maybe have lived sort of a good life in front of a holy God, nothing measures up except the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But the blood of Jesus transforms the vilest sinners. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The verse speaks here of the new life in Christ. We're not saved because of what we do. We were, we're once we're saved, what we do changes. The change in your heart takes place after you've received Jesus Christ. You see things differently. You have discernment. Let me say this. I believe in these days we're facing ahead. I've always said this, but this is a reminder. Is that we need to have discernment. You hear things that are happening today and you see people following others. They almost worship people, our leaders and so forth. In fact, they do worship them. We have discernment today. God is saying use that discernment because if you're born again, when a red flag goes up and you see these things happening, you're saying this is not right. And you have discernment. Those who don't have, they're not born again. They've not been cleansed by the cleansing precious blood of Jesus Christ. They do not have discernment. They're acting the way their old nature obviously dictates to them to do. So we shouldn't expect anything different. But I'm always puzzled by that. I'm always sort of just questioning how can they do this because they don't have discernment. You and I have a different worldview. We know how this thing will end or begin. Look at the book of Revelation. Look at it transformed. Everything that's happened, everything that will happen, will happen exactly according to the word of God. A revivalist at a revival in Detroit, Dr. Charles Finney, preached on the text, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. And after the service, a stranger asked Dr. Finley to walk home with him. In ushering the preacher into the rear of the building, the stranger locked the door, put the key in his pocket, and said, Don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to ask you a few questions. Do you believe what you preach tonight? And Dr. Finney said, Yes, I most certainly do. And the man continued, And we're, we're in the back of a saloon, and I'm, I'm a sole proprietor. Mothers come in here. 
lay their, lay their babies on the counter and beg me not to sell liquor to their husbands. I turn a deaf ear to their cry. We see to it when a man leaves here, he's well under the influence. More than one night, a man leaving here has been killed on the train tracks, Dr. Finley. Tell me, can God forgive a man like me? And Dr. Finney said, I have but one authority, the word of God, which says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all of our sins. But that's not all, added the man. In another room, we run a gambling hall. If a man doesn't spend all of his money on liquor, we'll bring him back here and with marked cards see to it that he's fleeced out of the last dollar that he has. We send him home penniless to a hungry family. Dr. Finley, I'm a sole owner of that gambling hall. Tell me honestly, can God forgive a man with a heart like that? Again, Dr. Finney replied, I have but one authority, the word of God, which says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all of our sins. And the man spoke again. That's not all. Across the street is my home where I live with my wife and little daughter. Neither one has had a kind word from my mouth for five years. Their bodies bear marks of my brutal attacks. Dr. Finney, do you think God can forgive a man with a heart like that? And Dr. Finney's head lowered, his eyes filled with tears as he said, My friend, you have painted one of the darkest pictures I have ever gazed upon, but I still have one authority which says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sins. And the man opened the door, ushered the preacher into the night, and then, then never left that room till daybreak. Not before ripping up decks of cards and pouring the contents of bottles down the sink and across the road at home, he sat in his living room. And his little girl called, Daddy, Mother says breakfast is ready. And when he answered his little girl kindly, she ran back to her mother, Daddy spoke kind to me. Something is the matter. And the mother followed her little girl to the living room. The man beckoned them both and taking one on each knee, he explained to their amazement that they had a new husband and a new, and a new daddy. And he ended, I'm done with that business across the street. And the man later became a member, then an official in leading the Detroit church. When he asked to tell how his life was changed, he would reply, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all of our sins. The blood of bulls and goats could never do it there. But with Christ, this is a guarantee. The blood of bulls and goats could never transform us, form us, but Christ does. Second Corinthians says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When an individual left the temple after presenting his or her sacrifice, they left the same as they were before they arrived. But when someone meets the Savior, when they're washed in the precious blood of the Lamb, there's an amazing change that takes place. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. But also the blood of Jesus ensures a home in heaven. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of, of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. How many of you know this is not our home? <laughs> Amen. This is not our home. We're moving fast to our heavenly home. But there's a place that Jesus has prepared, and he talks about it in John 14. 
He said this. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. To trust in God and trust also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. So I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll come back and receive you unto myself. That you may be where I am also. Jesus wants us to be with him throughout eternity. We're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We're heirs of God. We have an inheritance laid up already, the Bible says, in heaven. It's already there. All we do is we wait. When right now, we're saying, Lord, I believe it, and I'm ready to go home any time that you are. Until that time, I'm going to keep my hand to the plow, but I'm going to have one eye looking up to the sky, looking for my Savior. Jesus said that he is ready. I believe that things are happening today. We need to get ready as a church. We need to be equipped. We're going to go into a time of darkness, I believe, that's going to be very, very challenging. And today there'll be many people today that will fall away. Even the elect, the Bible says, will fall away if God does not stay his hand. You and I need to get into the word of God. We need to draw close to our Savior. We need to know these truths we're talking about today and we talk about all the time, every Sunday certainly. And we need to be prepared. We need to get ready because time is short. And time and Jesus could come back at any time. There's nothing prophetically that is holding Jesus back from coming and rapturing his church out of this place. We're ready. We need to be ready. It's only possible through the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb here. And only possible for those who have been washed in the blood. An evangelist tells a story that from the days when he had held a tent meetings many years ago, One day, after a series of meetings was over, he was pulling up tent stakes. And a young man approached him and asked what he had to do to be saved. And the evangelist answered, sorry, it's too late. Oh, no, was was the response. I mean, it's too late because it's already been done. It's already done. It's been finished. All we do is open our hearts and we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that could be done for our salvation has already been done. Jesus has paid it all, and all to him I owe. Amen. He paid it all, every price. Isn't that wonderful? Free, free gift of salvation for all who will believe. Now, what does the blood secure? I want to talk about it real quick. We'll end with this. Let's put it this way. A whole lot of blessings galore. Y'all know what galore means? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Other translations say it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want of anything. And then he goes on to say he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. A table of blessings. If I really got down and y'all felt like talking before a group, y'all could stand up here all day and tell the blessings of God that what he did in this past week, in these last seven days since we last met here last Sunday, there would be people standing today. The Holy Spirit of God will reveal to you what God has done in your life and the blessings galore that he has provided for us. And when we have our shepherd Jesus, we shall be in want of nothing. Because why? That's the word of God. And I stand upon the word of God. And I know you do also. Jesus says that he's prepared that place for us. 
We need to look to Him. What happens is, is when we get our focus off of Jesus, then like Peter, when he got out of the boat, he begins to sink. But he got out and he actually began to walk on the water. Now, this is not some type of fairy tale or myth. This actually happened. Peter got out of the boat. And God is calling his church to get out of the boat and receive the blessings of God. But you see, it takes faith. It takes a step of faith. And without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to believe God. Because you've got to know that He is who He says He is. And He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You've got to believe that who He says He is. God Almighty says all things are possible with God. There are miracles here. Al, back in the back, just testified to a miracle about his BP. Blood pressure. And the doctors looked and said, you should be a dead man. And God said, no, Al has been praying and others like us have been praying for him and he was healed. We see that. We see it here. I can name everybody. Look at Sandra. Sandra had a severe stroke, lost her husband, had a severe stroke, and now she's starting to move her hand. Don't give up. Keep on. It's soaking prayer. It's intercession. We keep on asking. We keep on seeking. And what? We keep on knocking. That's what the word of God says. We keep on because God is a God of blessing. Now, quickly, Joshua 6. Remember the story when Joshua was going in to the promised land and he had these people? And remember what happened there as they approached the walls of Jericho? They were big walls. They were very sturdy walls, evidently, from what, the way we understand it. But God said, uh, march around the wall six times. But he said, on the seventh time, he said, shout. And the walls will come down. Now, you know that if you were in that crowd getting ready to circle that, those gigantic walls, sturdy walls, you'd be saying, this is foolish. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Now, y'all are getting real with me now, aren't you? Because I'm being real. And the people inside, look at those idiots out there. They're doing this and that. How many people are saying today, look at those idiot Christians and look at their belief system. They believe God Almighty, I don't believe in the God they believe in. You believe in the God that we know can do anything today because there's absolutely nothing is impossible with God. And we know they started marching around. And can you imagine? They said, well, Joshua said to do this. I mean, it was a word from, of God through Joshua, his servant. You know, he said to do this. And obviously uh, the people said, well, Joshua is telling us to do this. You read the Bible, and what's the Bible tell you to do? Is to believe God and trust God. And sometimes you look and you go, man, my circumstances are really, really, really tall. They are like the walls there on Jericho. They're sturdy. They don't look like they're budging. I've walked around those walls of my, my circumstances, and it doesn't look like they're, they're, they're obviously not budging. But then you get ready to go around the seventh time, and you shout. And I believe that shout is symbolic of praising God for answered prayer. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. And you began to shout. And they shouted. And they shouted. And they shouted. And those walls began to rumble. Those walls began to, to turn and, and began to come down. And here they come down to the ground. Amen. Because you shouted. You didn't give up. It looked foolish to you. 
Your circumstances today, church, may look foolish to you, but our God is the God of the impossible. Our God is a God where you believe Him by faith, but you and I have got to step out in faith and believe Him. We're sitting in the boat too long. We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to believe Him today for our neighbor's salvations, for our healings, for those around us that we meet in the marketplace today. We've got to believe for salvation for these people. I'm believing for salvations. How about you? That's what we've got to do. They walked around. That was foolishness. You know, all all these things that God did. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, we're going to serve the Lord. And even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to serve you. We're going to believe God. And the old king, he looked in there and he said, there's four people in there. Didn't you put three in there? It was so hot, it killed the soldiers that put them in there. And they looked and all that stuff. And and the king was so terrified, he said, get them out of there. And they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. There was not a hair singed on their head. And all that was gone was the bondages, were the bindings that held them. They were set free. When you and I step out in faith, and when we believe God against impossible odds, against the walls of Jericho, against the fiery furnace today, let me tell you today, that bondage of our insecurities of those things that have held us back from stepping out for Jesus Christ today, let me tell you, they will be taken off today. You think that you're in the circumstance today because somehow you're just mysteriously got there, and yet God has allowed you to go right where you are to see whether or not you have a faith to be able to believe Him, to be able to walk out of that place today. And what is He doing in that fiery furnace? He's burning off all that stuff that's not like Jesus Christ. He's taken you and I to a deeper depth in the intimacy with him today to believe him. And it's the only way that he can do it. It's the only way. You can't do it when you're sitting back in apathy. You have an apathetic spirit today. It happens in this journey called life. In the day in and day out trials today. Believing God for whatever it is God's put on your heart today. That's who our God is today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want of anything today. A famous actor was at a after dinner speaker at a big function, and when he stood up to speak, he invited his audience to choose a poem for him to recite. There was a long silence until a retired clergyman raised his hand and asked for the 23rd Psalm. And the actor was slightly taken back, but agreed to do so, so he So provided the clergyman would recite it after him. And when the clergyman reluctantly agreed to do it, the the actor recited Psalm 23 and received a standing ovation. And when the clergyman recited the psalm, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. The actor came over to the clergyman and, and said in front of all the guests, Do you know the difference between his version and my version? I know the 23rd Psalm. But he knows the shepherd. (laughs) He knows the shepherd. (laughs) We can talk a talk. But God is saying that I want you to walk the walk. I want you to get out of the boat. I believe right now what's happening is Jesus is calling Lighthouse Fellowship out of the boat. I believe that he's calling us to a deeper walk with Christ. I believe that he's doing it in every life in this place. Because we know the shepherd. 
And we know that God has got great things in store for Lighthouse Fellowship. I believe that. Do you believe it? It starts by believing. The receiving will take place as we open our hearts. Because, see, it's not about us to begin with. It's about Jesus. And it's all been done because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Ask the Lord to cover this church, this property, our families, our friends, our neighbors in the blood of Jesus. Ask the Lord that he would give your neighbors and those who are not saved the revelation of Jesus Christ. I stand at the bedside of people I, I used to. That changed Friday. And I ask the Lord reveal Jesus to their hearts. Because it's actually the only way we will know him is through that revelation of the Holy Spirit of God. He's calling this church to follow hard after him. He's calling us to throw off those things that are shackles. And it may take that fiery furnace to to burn those things off. But whatever it takes, I'm asking God to do in my life and I pray that you will also because I want a church that is following after Jesus that's all I care about is following the spirit of the Lord and whatever that looks like I'm asking that we can be a part of it and I believe the day that this church wants to follow Jesus Let's sing, Oh, the blood of Jesus, if you would, and then we'll close in prayer. Y'all know it. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Stand, Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. That washes white as snow. Let's sing it again. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. That washes white as snow. Father, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for your word, your truth. We pray today that we would live and walk the truth of God. And people would see our lives. And dear Lord, they, wanted, they would ask the question, is, what is different about you? Your life has changed. You're different than what we see in society today. And then, Lord, give us opportunities to share the reason for that change. And it is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.